Welcome to the Grappling Discourse Podcast. Today, I have one of my favorite people in the world back on. We have Keith Cavanaugh all the way from Ireland. Last time, Keith, you were on the podcast. You were here in Alabama training with us. Then the world went crazy back in Ireland now. And I want to start off by kind of talking about that period, right, where you're in a foreign country, you're training jiu-jitsu, and all I basically of a sudden, yes, all of a sudden, okay, COVID happens, and you're in a foreign country. You don't know when you're going to leave, when you're going to be able to leave. Talk about that time, how stressful that was, and, um, you know, it's really, I want to hear about that. It was just weird. Like, it was such a, we didn't know what was going to happen. It was, uh, my visa was going to expire, but my flight was supposed to be right before my visa expired. And then all of a sudden my flight gets canceled. And I'm like, um, I guess I'm staying in Alabama now. But then I found out I would just get into a lot of trouble if I tried to overstay that, even though it was these weird times where they were basically saying, don't fly anywhere, but yeah, get out of our country since your visa is going to expire. So uh, yeah, had to get out of Alabama, fly home, got another flight booked had to do like a three-way flight and then every single airport was quiet it was dead like i was one of the only people in the airports every time like they were fully staffed but like there was like i had like a row of seats to myself on every single plane i was on it was just such weird times but, um, it, it was you know and i could kind of see the stress on you and everybody right we all felt it here you know we were living in the gym and it was it was difficult you know, and I, I know it had to have been so much more difficult for you being again in, in a foreign country in kind of this, you don't know when you're going to be able to go back home, but you get back home. Okay. You have to quarantine. How long did your quarantine last and kind of what was the differences between Ireland and especially Alabama when it came to coronavirus policies? Uh to, well, it just seems like Alabama was like very similar to Ireland, but it was just very similar for like way less time. Whereas Ireland just like got strict. They uh, like Alabama opened up pretty quickly after that, like maybe a few weeks or like a few months after. Whereas Ireland was on lockdown for like two years or something like that. It had like one of the longest lockdowns out of any country in the world. And uh, like when I got home, it was a two week quarantine. And my family were saying, yeah, you're going to have to stay in your room. And I was like, I don't want to just stay in my room <laughs> and then i got home and my mother had put like a little mini fridge here she had put a kettle over on like the other side of my room and like coffee pods and all this kind of stuff so my room was kitted out for me to just stay here and be lazy and game for as long as i wanted so i was happy with that for a while but then i just started getting sick of it and uh started getting way too like comfortable with just gaming all the time and not training enough and yeah so you start off the quarantine. I remember you're you're really trying to push like a Twitch stream, right? So yeah. You're, you're streaming a lot on Twitch, and you're playing video games. Like, talk about that. Like, how much were you playing video games? And there was really nothing else to do, right? Well, yeah. When I started doing the Twitch thing, I started making it into a. It was a non-negotiable habit for me. I had to wake up at seven every morning. It would actually be about like half six, six thirty, whatever. And then uh, I'd start streaming at 7. I'd do that until 12. I'd start doing my graphic work for Brandon at 12. And then I'd just like kind of go on about my day. And then sometimes later at night, I'd get back to some gaming because there was no training to be doing. There was like, we just kind of, it was like, what, 14 days to flatten the curve. And then weeks and weeks and weeks went on. And then it's just like, okay, well, 
it got to the point, I think it got to like December. And I just realized after December, like sometime in January, I realized how lazy of a month I had in December. Like, I feel like I didn't do any kind of training. Like there was no like doing a bit of jujitsu out the back garden on the mats with David or Nathan or anything like that. It was just like no training whatsoever. And my diet was just terrible as well. And I, I had a conversation with some guy, John Lally, who I, I love this man, John Lally. He's a purple belt. His son has just won the amateur world championships. He's just turned 18 as well. Mm. But, um, the amateur world MMA championships. And uh, he's an excellent blue belt. I got to roll with him a few weeks ago. He's one of the best in the country like, uh, at that level, especially. But um, John Lally was talking to me one time and he said that comfort was a drug. And that really stayed, it just stuck with me because... I just realized that I was just being way too comfortable. I was just sitting in some shitty habits and just like not actually going out of my way to test myself in different ways. And especially since like I didn't have jujitsu anymore, I just wasn't there. I just needed to get on top of some things and because all gyms were closed. I just decided, right, I'm going to start doing some push-ups every day. And I started off with just, uh, just doing, let's say, uh, I think the first day I was like, right, I'm going to do a hundred push-ups today. I said, I'm not, I'm not going to have to do it in one go, but I will get 100 push-ups done today. And eventually, it started off as a thing where I could only do like 20, then I'd get shaky arms doing the next 10 and all this kind of stuff. And that just kind of annoyed me because I knew I was capable of doing it, but it was just like I wanted to be less shaky and more consistent with it. And as the, week, the weeks progressed, I started upping the numbers. I started trying to make it into a, a I want to do like 500 push-ups a day. And then some days I'd only do like 250, but then I started adding in the 250 uh, sit-ups and 250 squats as well. And it was just like bodyweight stuff at first. But then um, started to notice the the growth, the improvements, started putting on a bit of weight. And by doing that as well, I was like forcing myself to, I was like, uh, I had like, uh, I cleaned up my diet as well. And I just stopped eating like such a shithead you know what i was eating like when i first went to alabama like I, I was not healthy at all i was just enjoying that uh that fast food lifestyle and it was working for me but it just wasn't uh wasn't good for me in the long run yeah and especially you know you're being you're you're forced i should you're forced into this sedentary lifestyle right you're, you're at home you literally cannot leave to go do anything gyms are closed all activities that you know you could go out and do are, are not available and when was kind of like, so you hear, you, you know, you kind of start thinking about this comfort is a drug, but I've listened to you kind of talk about this inner bitch, right? You've kind of talked about conquering that. And when did that kind of become, because that's kind of become a mantra of yours where you, you really use that to conquer, especially when it comes to doing hard physical things. Yeah. Uh, I remember a few years ago, like the last time I fought MMA, when I was doing stuff that I didn't enjoy doing, like running and stuff like that, I kept uh, I kept saying, I got this from Casey Halstead, by the way, he was just talking before to his class and he was just like, we look across our opponent, like, fuck you, I'm coming. And then as I was running in the fight camp, I'd be just like saying that repeatedly in my head, repeatedly in my head, just getting me through it. I was like, at any moment I was about to quit, I'd just be doing that. But this time I was just, uh, I think it was like February, I started trying to get into this whole conquer my inner bitch thing. And it was a case of like, sometimes I'd wake up, and I tend to wake up really early anyway, but I'd wake up at seven and sometimes I'd be like, oh, I'm just gonna lie here for another whatever amount of time. And then I'd just be like, no, conquering that inner bitch. It's time to get up, time to run. And I hate running, I, I despise it so much. But it was just my way of being like, it was almost like punishing myself for bitchy thinking if that makes sense 
I just uh, I just had to force myself to do things that I didn't like doing anymore. Yeah, and how important was that for you, right? Do you feel like it got to a point where it was ever easy? Do you feel like mentally you have gotten stronger from doing these uncomfortable acts day in and day out? I feel like I've got, uh, like, I've definitely put on muscle and stuff, but I feel like I've trained my discipline muscle way better. And I feel like it's much easier for me to just force myself to do things that, like, it's not necessarily about the things that I don't like doing anymore. It's, I've I've started to see the progress in these things and I've enjoyed, uh, I've enjoyed seeing that uh, progress over the few months. And it's just now, like, trying to outdo myself rather than just trying to, like, punish myself, which it was at first. Like, at first I was trying to punish myself for being so lazy. And now it's just, like, something I'm actually enjoying upping my numbers with. Like, I'm, I'm enjoying getting through the workouts that I've been doing a bit easier than last time over, like, a, a few weeks, a few months. Yeah, and a lot of people, when they think of getting in shape, right, they think of losing weight. They're like, oh, man, like you know, you lost 30 pounds, you look great, but your transformation has been the exact opposite. And people don't realize how hard it is to gain weight and especially like to really put on muscle and some size. How much weight have you gained? What are you sitting at now? And um, like, how do you feel body-wise? I'm 81 kilos, which I think is about 175 pounds or something like that. And I was, around the time I last seen you, I was probably about 68 to 70 kilos, which I don't even know what that is, probably like 155-ish or so. I, I honestly don't know what it is in pounds. But um, for a, a few weeks ago, I actually had like three different people in one week. I had put up like a little transformation post on uh, Instagram and I had three different people write to me during that week and ask me, you you juicing? You on the you on the, the El Mexicano Supplemento? And then one of my friends, who's actually my tattoo artist, he was asking me as well. And I was like, no, genuinely, like, it's just like body weight workouts and just not eating like a pig anymore. I haven't really been eating. I had like a bit of chocolate, maybe like, was it yesterday? And then other than that, it was probably like a week before that I had chocolate before that. And then before that, it was like a few weeks, few months. Like, I'm just not indulging in like terrible foods anymore. Um, I'll still get the odd fast food but it's just not as like regular it's not like a daily sort of thing like it was in alabama but um yeah put on a good bit of weight and one of my friends who was accusing me of being on steroids not actually accused me but just like asked me was i on steroids he was just like oh i forgot your father beat cancer went through chemo and left chemo with a six-pack he was just like you just have good fucking genetics for fuck's sake <laughs> Yeah. And I mean, that obviously plays plays a part in it, but it is that mindset, you know? And so, you know, what makes, what do you think makes people decide, right, to, first of all, not, okay, not go after these life changes? Like, why do you think you made these transformations and kind of, you know, have kind of turned, um, you know, you turned the quarantine into a positive, a huge positive in my mind? I just why knew some that. people, or why does it say most people not do that with the quarantine? I, I had like conversations with you before, like a few months back before I really got into this. And I remember you had said something about how um, it was when I was start, first starting to kind of get a bit more disciplined. And you said that you really felt like that was me starting to sound like I was becoming the black belt version of myself. I'm like that stuck with me, but I, it's like a case of a, 
I was kind of I was sick of disrespecting myself because I knew how capable mm-hmm. I was. And I also feel like I wasn't doing uh, the people who believe in me justice by being a lazy sack of shit and just sitting around gaming all day. And like, yeah, I enjoy gaming, but like at the moment, I haven't gamed in a long time. I'd probably play like maybe two or three games every month, like once a month, if even. And it's just because like a certain friend will write to me and be like, ah, oh, come on, we'll get on just for like all time's sake, get a few games in. But other than that, I just don't enjoy it like I used to. And I'd rather spend that time elsewhere. But I think just people don't do it because it's hard. And, like, it's hard to admit that, like, what you're doing isn't the right thing that you should be doing sometimes when you get too comfortable doing it. So if you, like, any advice, I guess, for for somebody that's, that's looking to become more disciplined? Um. Just force yourself to do things that you don't usually feel comfortable doing like uh for me it was i had a friend who i got back into contact with who i have known since i was a teenager and she was really into cooking and i'd see all the food she was making and i was like holy shit, like i want some of that food and then that kind of convinced me to start trying to make food and then i'd ask her for some recipes i'd try some recipes and i just forced myself to do stuff that i wasn't typically comfortable doing and uh like whether it was like that bit of food, which also helped me with putting on weight as well, because now I'm much more comfortable with just like making some random, random pasta based dish. I mean, a lot of pasta. I'm probably eating way too much pasta, but it's working. So I'm still just going to go with it. Um, but even just I admit, the term that I've been using a lot that I got from a friend uh, is build some non-negotiable habits. And if people say they don't have time to work out or something, bullshit you've time to do five push-ups i know five push-ups isn't going to do much but you five push-ups is better than doing no push-ups and if you tell me you don't have time to do five push-ups you're full of shit like it's it's just it's too easy to have like do five push-ups a day have maybe an extra bottle of water a day like just like start the numbers off small and build them up it doesn't have to be like okay i'm gonna do a thousand push-ups today because especially if someone has never worked out in their life all of a sudden putting that high of a number on it is going to put so much pressure on them and then they're going to feel like a failure when they're not doing it and it's just it's just like overwhelming i heard about someone before who was talking about how they just wanted to get into writing and when they started doing it at first they were just like i'm going to write three pages a day and then when they started doing it they were just like i've never i've never wrote three pages a day in my life how am i going to do this and then they turned it into i'm going to write five lines a day and if i write more than that fair enough then i've done some extra but i kind of feel the same way about anything that you're trying to do just uh with the workouts for me i started off really small and i didn't put a huge amount of pressure on myself i just knew i had to get those numbers done whatever the small number was i had to get that done and if i felt good afterwards i'd try and push out a few more push-ups sit-ups squats whatever it might be and i think that's interesting those non-negotiable habits I think that's a that's a term that really needs to be utilized more. Um, you know, and I've really never thought about that for myself. Um, so I definitely after this episode, and I'm going to take a couple of days to kind of reflect on that because I really like that idea. What are some of your non-negotiable habits now? Um, so for a while, I was just doing a 100 push-ups, 100 sit-ups, 100 squats, and that was my non-negotiable habit. That was an everyday thing. I, like, mm-hmm. I don't care if I decided to treat myself to a bottle of whiskey over the weekend. When I woke up and my head was feeling a bit cloudy, sorry, Keith, you've got some non-negotiable habits that you have to get to. You might not feel great doing them, but you're going to do them. Um, now it's just like forcing myself to make sure that I am having like a, a decent breakfast, at least in the morning, because I used to just be like 
I'd skip out on it, on it too often. If I'm training in the morning early, I don't like to eat before, but I'm just making sure that uh, no matter what, I am still getting the meals in throughout the day that I need to be getting in. I'm still drinking plenty of water. Um, and then my non-negotiable habits right now, the main ones are the workout plan that my friend Mark Andrew made for me. And it, just some body weight stuff, just some kettlebell stuff. That's my non-negotiable habits. Three times a week, I have to get those done. And then I've got, now that gyms are open as well, I've at least got the, the two classes a week that I've been teaching and then the Saturday morning open mat, which like non-negotiable, no matter what, I have to be there. It's just stuff that I'm forcing myself to do. So what's training been like in Ireland? So how long did you not train? Like, were you unable to train? What did training look like when you first started training? And then kind of where is it at now? There was probably about a year of really like touch and go training because gyms were closed and I'd have some training sessions with David who lives with me, who's a blue belt out back. We'd just get a few mats out or sometimes we'd get Nathan over as well. But um, it was just very touch. It just wasn't happening enough. And then we've been back training gyms have been officially open for the last only the last like two weeks or something like that like that's the only like it's it's ridiculous how long it really took but um i've been back training for a while at an mma gym and i, I actually love the training there at first i was kind of like oh, i don't know how i feel about going to an mma gym but um I, it's it's just like made me really enjoy training again um it's a different style of grappling it's like a it's a much more uh, something that i really love about it is those moments where like in a jiu-jitsu gym if you end up against the wall even if they're matted walls people would be like okay we reset in the middle now and i'm like why does that mean your jiu-jitsu becomes useless as soon as your head hits that wall like there, there's like there's just certain things that i i'm really enjoying uh, people are more willing to wrestle and actually work takedowns instead of just sitting down all the time it's just uh, I'm just loving being at an MMA gym and it's been nice to kind of uh although they don't have the most like modern jiu-jitsu game in terms of like working like their Delahiva guard and all this kind of stuff it, it's been nice to see the guys who didn't have that start to evolve and start to learn that stuff over the while just from like having me training there at an MMA gym and I've been seeing you do a lot of wrestling yeah. how have you been improving your wrestling what do you feel like the level is like in Ireland and where would you like to see, um, you know, kind of wrestling be like, how has wrestling really helped you evolve as a grappler? Um, I don't, it's just given me more confidence to be able to like get top position and just like dominate, to be honest. Like it, it, it started a lot with the ironclad boys over in uh, Birmingham. Like I, I love Jake and uh, I, I never want to call Elkins by his actual name. I just, I know him, I knew him as Elkins first or TB Elkins and he, he's just always going to be known as that. But um, I love them two boys and because I got to do a bit of work for Jake, I still have a hard drive that has a lot of the ironclad content on it and I'm not going to it every day, but it's just like every now and then I'll just have a look back and just find something that I want to kind of mess with, mess with and just like work and then uh, just take it to the gym and sometimes I'll teach some of it if it's something that I'm comfortable that it's something that's part of my game already. Uh, I'm not just trying to like take something that I don't fully understand and then just like try to try teach it to the guys. But um, just like basic stuff, it started off with as I'm going to pretend to shoot for a double leg and then I'm going to snap you down as soon as your legs go back because you don't have the base there anymore. Then after a few weeks of me hitting that on all the guys, 
I started to see some of them using this same exact thing on other people as well. But then I started to realize they, they knew I didn't want a double leg. So they were just like, I'm just not going to let my head go down and let them snap me down. So then I was like, oh, shit, I better work on my double legs now. So I started working on my double legs instead. So I started blast double legging people as well. And then I've just like bit by bit kind of evolved it and like practiced different stuff. And I feel like I'm just getting better at starting to chain the, the different takedowns together based on the reactions that I'm getting from those guys. What are you working on currently? How has your game evolved from the last time you were in Alabama to where you are at today? Um, I think when I was in Alabama, so I was having so much success in Alabama with anaconda chokes, guillotines, um, Armin guillotines, and now I'm barely doing that stuff. Like a lot of the time I'm doing it to like maybe just get the person to go onto their back to defend, and then I'm just following up on it. I'm just trying to like get uh, mostly I'm hitting arm triangles um a lot of wrestling but mostly I'm hitting arm triangles I think that's my most common thing that I'm hitting um after that still hitting the UDs a lot um arm triangles mostly I'm really enjoying arm triangles which is funny because when we were doing the arm triangle month in uh, Alabama it was probably one of the most frustrating times I've ever had in jiu-jitsu because I I could not get it right for the first few weeks and I felt like white and blue belts were getting it better than me and I was like this ridiculous i was getting so annoyed at myself and then now i feel like it's my best move but um arm triangles wrestling and just trying to i'm trying to really think in terms of mma as well and just not settling for bottom position even if i have a guard that's gonna be able to make something happen there i just refuse to do it i'm trying to like khabib style smash and just like crush people and just think about the strikes that are involved and then think about when they try to escape where their hands go are like when their head is exposed what shots can i land and still stay balanced and keep my position competing wise is there any competitions going on over there in the uk and ireland um, and are, are you thinking about mma like you're at an mma gym like yeah is mma yeah. return possible so only earlier today i've been saying this to the guy deck who owns the gym um for a while that i am interested in it it's not something i'm trying to like rush into with like little mma training over the last few years like i want to actually just like put in put in the work but um he had mentioned today that there's a show on in halloween on halloween night and he said that one of the guys lee hammond who's a uh, lee hammond has a win over me in jiu-jitsu from years ago when i was i think it was like early purple belt and he's really good he's one of like mcgregor's main training partners and um he was apparently writing to deck looking for a match on this on to make his pro debut and i had talked to deck about how it would probably be hard to get an amateur fight uh brown belt i don't know if that is the case but i, I just think like it would probably have to be a pro fight if i was going to do it and then Lee Hammond put his name forward and he was saying he was looking for a grappler to make his pro debut against. So Lee Hammond's a really good grappler as well. And uh, I was kind of like, hmm, interesting. But then he was like, yeah, he's looking for a fight at 66 kilos. And I was like, oh, no, <laughs> I'll have to cut a leg off. I'm not doing that. <laughs> so I don't really know what uh, what the plan is now. Um, Competition-wise, we had the first competition in about two years. I think it was like a week ago on a Sunday, about two weeks ago maybe and i was busy i couldn't actually make it up there but a few people went down and compete it looked like they everyone was just delighted to have competition back in the country it was like a good move forward after all of this shit that we've had to deal with um there is a show up the north on what's it september 4th that i'm doing 
um i'm the main event of it as well which is pretty cool mm. it, it was supposed to be against a black belt who was going to be about 85 kilos and then he pulled out about two weeks ago because i think he got heel hooked pretty bad at that competition like two weeks ago <laughs> okay um, and he pulled out and i was like oh, okay so the promoter came up to me he was saying i'm trying to find your replacement now uh, is there anyone you have in mind so i gave him a list of people who beat me before <laughs> and i was like ask them and then just pick one whatever i don't care and then he ended up saying that he was trying to ask people uh wasn't getting much response and then he got some guy a brown belt from i don't know where he's from actually but he's uh he said he could he's he could make 95 kilos and I was just like, tell him to be whatever weight he wants. Because I want that David versus Goliath moment. I want to be like the smaller guy going in. I want to like take his back and strangle him and just like, I don't know, have that moment, have the chance to do that. Because I see other people who like their fighters pulled out and they're like, yeah, I'll, I'll take another match as long as it's like under 75 kilos. I'm just like, just it's jujitsu. Test yourself. Like, what's the worst that can happen? You might lose to the 75 kilo guy anyway. Why not go out enough? in like with a bit of glory and like put on a, a good match against a heavier person and just have that chance at like glory against a big guy like that so uh, yeah going against this guy told him he can be as big as he wants he doesn't have to worry about cutting to under 95 if he is like a bit over that so this guy's what like 220 i was talking to johnny book about this a few days ago and johnny book was just like oh it's okay just pretend it's me except like longer and uh 20 pounds less and not as good and pretty or something like that i can't remember typical, typical johnny book sort of talk but then at first before that conversation with johnny book i was thinking right this guy's gonna be heavy i might have to like do whatever i was th really thinking about like how i was gonna approach it and then once johnny book said that i was like I just, fuck johnny book i was just like if johnny book's heavier than this guy i'll be fine and uh Fuck you, Johnny Book. I hate Johnny Book. I love him so, really. <laughs> so how has your relationship with jiu-jitsu uh, changed since the quarantine? You know, um, without having it, like, how, how do you feel about the art of jiu-jitsu? Has, um, yeah, has your relationship changed and the way you feel about jiu-jitsu? Um, I don't know if it's necessarily changed. I was just feeling very lost when I wasn't doing it. And the thoughts of having to go back to a gym and just do a lot of gi training was not making me feel like I was going to enjoy training again. Even with that time off, I still wasn't, uh, the idea of that didn't appeal to me at all. So eventually I tried out the MMA gym. And then once I went up there, we just came to an agreement to have me teaching uh, once or twice a week. And then once I started teaching again, I was just, oh, the spark was just there again. Because the last time I had been teaching was in Alabama before the lockdown happened when I was supposed to be teaching the whole month of passing. And then lockdown happened. I think I got to teach maybe like a week or two weeks maybe of it, if even. And then didn't get to finish that whole course that we had ready for the month. So didn't get to teach for maybe, what, two years, something like that. And then to finally be back teaching, I'm just, I'm loving it. I'm loving those moments of like seeing someone struggle with something and then like giving them that little like aha moment and then seeing the seeing that happen in their brain. I'm just in love with it all over again. Yeah, teaching is, is a beautiful thing. And it's funny that even all that time that you still weren't excited to go to a, G, a gi jiu-jitsu gym. Yeah, no, yeah. It, just, it doesn't appeal to me. Uh, there's like, t there's a lot of ideas around gi jiu-jitsu that I just like, I think if you want to do gi jiu-jitsu and if you want to compete in that, yeah, go for it, do your thing. But I just feel like there's a lot of ideas 
involved with gi jiu-jitsu that i don't agree with in terms of what i want to do um for example i've seen gi guys talk about how let's say you get this grip on their collar and they start to pass your legs don't worry just hold on to that grip eventually you'll find your way back and i'm just gonna like i i don't want my fingers to get mangled like that i'd rather like work on actually learning how to maybe go with them past my legs and come up like turtle up and then get a single leg or something like but i'd rather learn that instead of just thinking of oh, this death grip is going to save my life so there's a few things like that that i'm just not uh i'm not too keen on when it comes to key training not a big fan of the pajamas but even uh it was just like i still would have done it but the mma gym was a much better move for me because it when i actually did go up to try it out i just i enjoyed it like i enjoyed the training again and i think uh I remember BMAC was talking about how someone asked him what they should be focusing on uh, while they were like, just like whatever day it was. And he was just like, whatever makes you turn up tomorrow. And when it comes to gi training, it's very hard for me to focus on something that makes me want to turn up tomorrow. It's just like, I don't enjoy it at all. And uh, at the MMA gym, I do have so much stuff that I enjoy working on. I enjoy getting to test myself against guys who have trained a good while doing wall work. It's not something I've done a lot of. So guys who I can like kind of toy with, they'll just try put me up against the wall because they know oh he's not as familiar here. Like it, I like having those little challenges that I get to kind of mess around with and figure out. You know, a, a lot of people hate training with MMA guys. You're all the time in jujitsu, right? Guys go, oh, I got to train with this MMA guy. It's almost like the 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 next level up from wrestler. You know, you <laughs> all those memes and stuff of like, oh man, I've got to go with the wrestler. But like MMA guy typically, especially if they're a legit MMA guy, most people go, oh, that's my least favorite round. What is it about training with MMA guys that makes it so difficult, right? Especially for most grapplers. And why should people seek out MMA fighters to train with? Um, so I, I think I think it's because partly to do with the fact that they don't play like a, a modern jiu-jitsu guard game. They're not going to sit on their backs and just willingly like play their guard. A lot of the time they're going to be fighting to get top position and stay on top and win the round. And I've been emphasizing this with the guys over the last while. Like just like even if there's 30 seconds left on the clock, I'm shouting at them, get up. If you're not on top, get on top, win the round, win the round, blah, blah, blah. And I think a lot of jiu-jitsu people will probably struggle to get their game off because the guy might not be doing the jiu-jitsu thing to do for you to counter, if that makes sense. Whereas the MMA guys are, I, I think they just, uh, they're, even if it's not necessarily jiu-jitsu that they're doing, there's still like jiu-jitsu aspects of it, but there's still good grappling that's involved in it. There's still like fighting for top position and wrestling from whatever position to try get the top position. And uh, like we had a guy come down from one of the other gyms in the town yesterday and he was telling me afterwards, um, he just looked kind of like heartbroken after the rounds and he seemed like he really enjoyed the class, but then he looked heartbroken. And I wrote to him afterwards, I went up to him first and I just checked to see if he was okay and then I had to go. But then I wrote to him later on uh, on Instagram just to be like, are you, like, are, are you all good? Like what's, um, like, he just seemed a bit kind of like upset or like maybe just like really tired. And he was saying that he just felt like he was reaching new levels in the jiu-jitsu gym over the last few months. And then he came up and just got destroyed by everyone. And he was just like, I just, like, it's not like I thought anyone would be terrible here. It's just, I expected myself to not be that terrible. Um, <laughs> I, I found it funny, but I, I just think it's a, 
it's kind of good to get those little moments and um when you come across an mma gym sometimes if you've just been doing jiu-jitsu this whole time you can get caught off guard with a few different ways that they play it that you're not expecting them to play it yeah it's a it's it's a completely different style and and you're right i think it's the willingness to um or the unwillingness to take the bottom position that really throws off jujitsu guys and typically you're looking at heavy pressure incredible base i mean the base of mma guys is what always sticks out to me just they're so hard to sweep and even if you do they're trying to scramble up like you have to finish your sweep you've got to sweep and pin immediately or they're gonna fight like crazy Whereas like jujitsu guys would be like, oh, it's okay. I'm gonna work my butterfly guard once he does get this sweep on me or whatever it is. Like, whereas the MMA guy is gonna fight for dear life. The MMA guy kind of thinks how I think when I'm going against BMAC. If BMAC starts to get top position, I am out of there. Run, like run 20 meters this way and then run back to engage because it's just not worth having someone like BMAC on top trying to crush you. It's just no guard is good for that. <laughs> it's just not a. It's not a comfortable thing to have to deal with, and it's not worth putting yourself into that situation. Whereas, uh, yeah, MMA guys just seem to have that same sort of mentality where they just—they're not going to accept bottom position because they don't have the guard um, necessarily that's going to be able to help them if they do end up in bottom position. But they also know, even if they do have that guard, and even if they win the match in jiu-jitsu terms from like attacking from their guard the whole time, the judge might score the fight the complete opposite way just because the other guy was on top. It's you just can't really kind of trust the judges to understand what you're doing jujitsu wise off your back. You've been training a lot again at this MMA gym um, and you're starting to teach there now. What problems I, uh, are you finding in MMA grappling? Like for MMA, like what would you add? Like if you could add a certain skill set to all MMA fighters, like what do you think they lack in the cage? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, I, I think so. MMA fighters already work on the wrestling and stuff like that, but I do think so. Just from watching, um, do you remember Mighty Mouse got need and knocked out in one championship? Yes. I talked to Sean Applegate after this happened as well, and I started to realize that um, although wrestling and coming up on a single leg and working towards a double leg, whatever, is really important for MMA in general. When it comes to one championship, I almost think it might be more important to have a more a better guard. Like it might be more important to be able to reap someone's knee and attack a leg lock just so you can uh, just so you can get top position from that, rather than coming up to a position where there is a chance you might get kneed in the face, if that makes sense. So I feel like the guard is something that the MMA guys definitely need to have, but I feel like they don't uh, just because they don't have the, the modern guard, it doesn't mean that they're not going to have good grappling anyway. So MMA fighters, like, offense seems to be limited. Like, submissions seem to be a lot of guys' weakest, um, one of their weakest skill sets. Have you found that to be the case? And what submission do you think, like, or submissions do you think every MMA fighter, especially professional, should add to their game, like they need to have? Um, so... I notice a lot of people starting to look kind of just like very confused if they do end up in the closed guard and they don't really know what to do. So I think Darces and stuff like that, front headlock stuff is like really important for people to have um, in MMA, especially because of like the nature of like people coming up on single legs, double legs and all that kind of stuff. But um, 
I think people need to be working on, I don't want to say you should be working on leg locks, but I feel like you should understand the positions enough to be able to sweep when things get a bit like not necessarily where you want them to be just to get, just to be able to get on top, not necessarily to just like rip a heel hook on someone that. And, um, when people do end up in closed guards, they seem to look confused. Most MMA guys. And I'm not, I don't really, I don't play any rubber guard at all anymore. I, I just, I just don't. I, I find if, if you're rolling with me and I'm on my back, I'm, I didn't mean for that to happen. I wanted to be on top. I wanted to be crushing you. I wanted you to be miserable. And then all of a sudden you're somewhat comfortable now. And I don't like that. So I've started trying to get the guys doing, um, just from the guard, having kind of like a, you know, the hip, hip bump triangle. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like trying to, because too many times I see people teaching triangles as like, okay, we push one arm in and pull one arm out and we just lock our leg. And that's just not working on anyone good ever. So I've been trying to teach them about like off balancing to create those, uh, those opportunities for the triangles. And then when that doesn't work and they start pressing in to not let that happen, kind of going in with, uh, under with like pendulum style sweeps or flower sweeps, whatever you want to call them. But um, yeah, I, I don't really know what I would add to MMA fighters games. I, I, I think the guys have got a lot of benefits from Darces. I didn't really feel like I was getting put in any sort of threatening positions in terms of like submission wise by anyone. And then a week ago, I kept letting one of the guys, Matty, get me into like Darces just so I could kind of go and do BMAX like belly down style thing for a Darce and just like kind of keeping my posture, keeping my alignment. And I'd just be laughing at him and kind of talking shit while he was trying to Darce me. But he started getting pretty good at getting me over to a position where it's actually starting to get kind of tight. And he almost tapped me a few days ago. And as he as he was doing it, I was laughing at him. I was like talking shit to him. And then he started getting close. I don't know. I, I got to the point where I was like, oh, shit, I might have to tap the Matty right now. <laughs> but um, I eventually escaped. And then I didn't actually escape. I just got back to a safe position. And I could feel his arms kind of go, ugh. And I, I just started talking shit again. I was like, oh, your arms are gassed, aren't they? <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So thinking now about kind of future goals, right? Um, you're back teaching. And you're possibly that you're competing coming up in September possibly thinking about a return to MMA, but what are some future goals that you have? Where do you want to be in a couple of years, you know, two, three, five years? Um, I want to have my own gym up and running and Deck, who owns this gym knows this. I've, I've talked to BMAC about it as well. I think towards the end of the year and um, start of next year, I'd like to have my own spot, which will be a pure jiu-jitsu gym, I think. But um, I do... I do want to, I'm so focused on this uh, this match in September. I'm thinking maybe I'll do a pro MMA fight towards the end of the year. Um, don't know what weight I'll do it at because I'm not making 66. And then I think the focus is going to shift towards making this gym happen. What is it about opening a gym? Like when did you decide that you wanted to open a gym? Because a lot of guys... They get really involved in jiu-jitsu and the idea of owning a gym is overwhelming, right? Or, or they just, they don't have that desire, I guess, to teach and be the main guy. Maybe they just want to teach once a week. When did you kind of decide you want to open a gym and what would it mean to open a gym in your hometown in Ireland? Um, I probably decided this a few weeks after I started training jiu-jitsu, to be honest. And that's like, what, close to really? something. I, I, it's just something that I've always wanted to do. And then when the oh. first gym that I was at kind of fell apart, um, 
uh, as cheesy as it sounds, I, I like the idea of being able to open something in my town that gives people a chance to make the changes that I made in my life as well. And even if it's just like one person who ends up making that change, like I, I just want to give someone the opportunity to not start wasting themselves and going off doing whatever, doing drugs or anything else. And uh, I've ever since like we got in, like really into Ten Planet, I've wanted to open up a Ten Planet gym. And then the Alabama thing happened. And then I wasn't really sure if I wanted to stay in Alabama more or if I wanted to go back and open the gym. But it became a thing where I was enjoying going back and forth between the two. But then it became a thing where, uh, especially like during the lockdown, that I realized that I was I was sick of every time I get back from Alabama, I kind of just end up sad. Like I, I just, it's like you go from living the dream to just being back here and just like trying to figure out where home is basically and nowhere had that same sort of alabama vibe so i just got i got tired of uh, ireland being like a sad little pit stop for me in between my alabama trips and when the alabama trip became a thing where i was like i don't think i can go to alabama right now like i i don't i need to have my work visa all this kind of stuff it just pushed me to want to do this gym thing even more like i, I want to just like make something i want to build something over here rather than just be sad anytime i get back to ireland and building a um i guess a legacy i guess like in your hometown right like creating a gym that can change lives and it's like you said like as cheesy as it sounds you know we all know the power anybody that's been in jujitsu for a period of time longer than a year kind of knows the power of jujitsu to change lives um how has jujitsu I, I guess now like looking back like really changed your life and what would like what is the like what would it mean i guess for you to be able to to bring that to the irish um especially kind of irish teenagers and the irish youth in your country um well i know like uh, an answer that you'll hear a lot from people is like the like the problem solving aspect of it as well and the ability to like find a way instead of just like kind of sitting back and getting like pissed off about your situation and getting upset about it finding a way to get past it rather than just kind of hitting a wall and just being too stuck and sad in that same spot to realize that if you take a step back there's actually a window over here there's a door over here whatever it might be so there's the problem solving aspect that i think i've uh i've really i'm really appreciative to have um what else what else have i got from jiu-jitsu um, just the tribe aspect as well like you, you build, you find your tribe, and you start to realize that, like day in, day out, you're working with these different people who become like a family to you. Who you get to see their progress, you get happy for their progress as well. It's not as much as jujitsu is like a solo thing that you're doing when you're going out and you're competing and stuff like that. It's still like you when you see the improvements that your teammates are making and all that kind of stuff. It's just nice to have that uh, that sort of like family feeling about people who aren't necessarily your family, and also to be surrounded by people who are trying to better themselves in some way. Obviously, you're going to come across the odd person, and this is definitely more common in MMA gyms, but it's in other gyms too. You're going to come across the odd person who's just a bit of a dickhead, and like they're they're not on the same like wavelength, basically. And there's definitely like one or two of those around at the gym. But um, for the most part, most of the guys are, like they really are like a family to me now. And it's a, it's a, I don't know they make it on the days where you're feeling a bit terrible like you're feeling a bit shit and you kind of like it's almost like a drag to convince yourself to go to training when you go up there you're made you feel appreciated you're made to feel like you, you belong somewhere mm. and like i think that's something that uh i was taking for granted a lot before 
Yeah, and thinking about again uh, the Irish youth, I, I guess, especially the teenagers. Um, I, I know that we've talked in the past about how Ireland, you know, has had a high like suicide rate for for the youth. Um, why, I guess, kind of like why is that? And um, so, uh, just since you're touching on that, right? Uh, do you remember when I was in Alabama at one point, and you and Lindsay were about to train? I think you were about to just do like a strength and conditioning workout. And I had I was just sitting on the mats because I, I liked just kind of sitting around when you were like doing your workouts. And then I got the news that a friend of mine had killed himself, and I was just lost. Like I I, I broke down and uh, I just started like crying on the mats. And you and Lindsay came over and you were just like, what 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 do you want to do? Like do you want to do you want to talk about it? Do you want to just like drill some techniques? Do you want to roll? Like whatever you want to do. And I think we just rolled. We just did some light rounds, and then by the end of it, I felt so much better. And something that I realized from that is that I had a support system around me that a lot of people aren't fortunate enough to have, or they don't know that they do have it. So like, for example, my friend who went and did that thing, maybe he did have that support system, but it wasn't there when he needed it. And his head took him someplace where it didn't have to take him. And uh, so I'm just really thankful for that support support system that happens. Like no matter what happens in my life, no matter what happens, like if there's heartbreak, if there's anything like that, I still know that I'm gonna have that tribe. That tribe is still gonna be there for me, like no matter what. Yeah, and uh, there's something really interesting. Um, I, I was reading um, this book. It's uh, Tribe, uh, a, uh, a sense of belonging. I think it's 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 called Tribe. It's by Sebastian Younger and. They were talking about how, like, in the Indians and a lot of like, oh, you're gone again, Scott. Oh, you're back, you're back, you're back. Never mind. Okay, I'm back. Okay, okay. Um, but yeah, like, it's interesting when you have that tribe that, um, you know, it it can really change the way you feel and think mentally, right? Especially being able to express yourself to another group of people, good and bad, is so healthy, and most people don't have it. Well, Dude, Keith, it's been awesome catching up with you. Um, I, I really uh, think the people, you know, they, they, a lot of people wanted to hear how you've been, what jujitsu's been like in Ireland. So thank you for coming on. Thank you, Scott. Any Daniel. final thoughts, man? Any final thoughts? Anything you want to say? Um, any last, um, any last words? Yeah, anyone who's just struggling with anything, just reach out to someone because. I know a lot of people can be like kind of afraid to open up to people, but like it, it, you'd be surprised at who's there to support you when like you're going through some like rough times. So anyone who's struggling with anything, reach out to someone. Reach out to someone who you don't even like. Reach out to a BMAC, even if you don't talk to BMAC all the time. Reach out to BMAC. Reach out to Scaff. Like reach out to me. Like just reach out to someone if you're feeling like shit, basically. And you might be surprised by uh, what you learn about yourself. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with that sen- uh, sentiment more. I mean, more more people in this community suffer from um, you know depression, anxiety, other and other just life things. And whether they're a black belt or a white belt, I, I think you'll pretty much always be met with compassion and understanding. So yeah. I, I love it. And um, guys, thank you for always tuning in, supporting the podcast. You guys know I love and appreciate you. Time for me to leave.